Welcome to the Avance Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Nick. And I am two years older than Dan uh, up till, well, this week. So am I, uh, I will be the uh, two years. How do you, older how do you voice think in this two podcast. Years? Or two, two weeks. Well, see, that's the thing. I've lost my memory in the last two weeks. Uh, <laughs> two so, weeks older than me. The older age has caught up to me. You yeah. know, I'm, I've signed up for AARP. Um, no joke. I got in a, a CPAP machine this week. So, oh, you know, dang. I am feeling older and older. So, <laughs> yeah. So, you won't have to scream at me anymore when I'm I'm uh, snoring. So. <laughs> so. Nice, nice. Which everybody, I think I've said this before. Everybody, you know, I go into the doctor and she's like, do you snore? And I'm like, I'm single. I live alone. How the hell would I know? <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, it's funny. Uh, how are things in your wild and crazy world, sir? I know you had quite an adventure. Yes, we did. Um, yeah. Flew across the country, you know, got that R8, as we talked about. And it's uh, it was, honestly, it exceeded expectations, even with high expectations. The car literally, when we got there, it looked like it rolled off the showroom floor. Literally. Not a crease in the leather. Still smelled new, and it's two years old. I don't know how people do that, but I'm thankful that they do. So I was laughing because, you know, uh, Sean and I communicate through to uh, uh, Instagram a ton with uh, puppy memes and things like that. And she posted a picture and she had taken a photo from the driver's seat. And I instantly texted her and I was like, hey, what's going on here? And she's like, I've driven all the whole time. She goes, I need him to drive like once. Yep. So I drove the car (laughs) in 2,400 miles ish. I drove the car twice for like a total of maybe five and a half, six hours. So that's no, I was, that's what she said. She goes, she goes, I needed a break. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, we picked, we picked up the car. We drove out of Louisville. Louisville's a nice little town. It, it has its moments. Um, and then everything sucks until you get like to Colorado. Um, sorry, Missouri nice. and everywhere else your states are So you boring. went, you went Louisville, Colorado, and then you come up through, uh, Boise and all that. Yeah. We went through the, basically the the route we typically like to go home so we went um first night we stayed outside of st louis which is just this little truck stop kind of area great little hotel though of all places we stayed at a holiday Inn express and it was okay. yeah and it was just like okay this has oddly good reviews and sure enough it was actually like the nicest hotel we stayed in on the way home and not because we didn't stay at nice hotels that one just happened to be like the nicest the cleanest the most upkept it was oddly good well, obviously, you were probably trying to look for good places to park the car at night so that you weren't just living yeah, and parking them. Yeah, that's nowhere. what we were worried so. about. And then, nope, it was fine. Uh, that was that was great. Uh, so nothing going on in little town. I forget where we were. Warrenville or something. Warrenton. Um, but yeah, then it was just flyover states and hauling ass. And that thing cruises comfortably at you know triple digits. So that made that trip relatively short. But then we decided we would go. Does the cruise control work over 100? Uh, allegedly, 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 it does. It, okay, quite well. Okay. Um, I know you went to Mexico. Yeah, so I was yeah. Just we took a little detour in Mexico. There, yeah, we made really good time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You did. You did. Yeah. Howdy Howdy time. time. Yeah. And then, but uh, as we got across the the flyover states uh, and into Colorado, we went to um, oh, what's right below Denver, Manitow Springs, not Colorado Springs, but right next to right next to the you know they're, they're like combined cities. We went to Manitow Springs and we stayed at a, a resort there. Which was uh, nice, um, great view of the lake and stuff. And Colorado is just beautiful, uh, really is one of the best states to go visit. Period. And first thing next morning, drove Pikes Peak. She drove Pikes Peak all the way up, all the way down, <laughs> and it was awesome. Although I will say, um, I'm in a national park service is just failing left and right. Their swag, their stuff they sell at that park is trash. They have all this motorsports history, and me and half people in line go there because of that. And it's all like just 
the most how do I say it? it looked like it was designed by a PTA group who designed stuff for their kids and said their kids did it. That's how it was. It was terrible. And I was like, you know, this is it was garbage. And then so all this motorsports history and not one motorsports pin, you know, no no good stuff from Pikes Peak, but worth the drive. You didn't find a good magnet or a sticker? No, it's all trash. Or, you know. And it was uh, okay. a great drive up, minus people who just do not get out of your way. Um, and even when you, they're going way, way, way below the limit. So, I mean, they're going like five, 10 miles an hour. It's maddening going up that hill if you go there in traffic. You really want to get there before the gates open by at least 45 minutes and just hang out. Have your coffee, have your breakfast. We did not. We got there early by like 20 minutes and still were, oh, I don't know, 15 cars back. And people are just oblivious driving up that hill to the point. I mean, they just get caught up in the view and they're just in the way. There's a million turnouts going up Pikes Peak so they can get out of the way. And they don't. Um, So they're probably not scared. No, they're just oblivious. And it oh, was got it. Yeah, it's a beautiful view, hundred percent worth it. Everybody should go drive Pikes Peak. Just feel the motorsports history. Feel how insane that hill climb is. Going up isn't just a passenger car, but man, if that does, if that doesn't give you road rage, and even expecting it, <laughs> nothing will. Because you got to have the patience. Yeah, you have to have the patience of a saint to get that hill without wanting to just bump to pass somebody off the cliff. <laughs> so, and the car dealt with the the altitude pretty yeah. well. Yeah. It was great. It was nice having Thanks. a car that didn't lose 400 horsepower going up the hill. Um, that was your it own was fault. My own fault. 100%. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have it, if you have a tune or you don't have a tune and you have big air filters and an exhaust, you will have problems on that hill, especially if you're turbocharged. But our ten, the, the, the sure. R8 V10 just freaking hauled ass up that hill. Um, and that car's got full exhaust on it, by the way. It is not quiet at all at any speed. It is deafening. But um, that was a really fun way because she had never done Pike Speak. She'd always wanted to go. Like she's watching the Michelle Moton video, <laughs> doing this, you know, all the more impressive driving up the hill and thinking that was gravel when she broke that. I think it was like seven, you know, sure. I don't remember what the record that was that she broke, but it was nuts. Um, so that was a great experience though. Awesome. Yeah, that's it. We did use track. Uh, so the car doesn't have PPF. We track taped it every single night, took it, waxed the car. We washed the car, took off the track tape, waxed it, put on your track tape every night. Still got two rock chips, but uh, we're going to have those taken care of. So, Okay. Nice. Is that is that your tip for this week? As as far as uh, taking, uh, um, uh, where should I? There's so many from the trip. I'm trying to think which one I would narrow down as a, a while I learned. I mean, right now, a great Carter tip would be to make sure everything is winterized. If you have that problem, if you're storing your car for the winter, like a lot of you are, uh, don't get flat spots on your tires. You know, we can go through this list again, but this is the time. It's supposed to be our first deep freeze in the Northwest uh, tonight and tomorrow and the weekend. And it's supposed to be nice. It's supposed to be in the twenties. Yeah. So watch out for that. Um, I would say, boy, I'm trying to think. I, there are so many great roads on that trip. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, we've talked about this a little bit before, but like if I, if I know I'm going to buy a car across the country, I mean, you always talk of taking a small tool chest or buying a small tool chest when you get there. But you did you take the front end tape? Yeah, I did. I, I ordered it ahead of time on Amazon, and it's a track tape. I just ordered actual track tape. I didn't. Track I tape. Didn't, sorry, I didn't get. Yeah. Um, I usually use gaffer's tape, but I wanted to try track tape this time, and it worked out pretty well. Uh, it's not cheap. Um, I'm not sure if it's better. It certainly looks better than gaffer's tape <laughs> because it's not okay. black gaffer's tape. Um, and it didn't leave any residue. Uh, just like I said, you have to wax it. I think we talked about that last time. You have to wax the car every single time. And that really helps quick and easy to replace having a partner to do it with you helps a lot. 
wash it every night. But man, I, I doing it over again. So there's there's another segue I'm going to talk about in this. Doing it over again, I wish I wish I could have shipped it. The timing wouldn't have worked. It would have taken months and it would have been expensive. But um, I mean, it's only two little rock chips that nobody will notice that. I mean, we're going to get touched up anyway. It was worth it for the drive because we got to do some stuff that you just she had never done. That was the main fun for me. People asked me a lot like they thought uh, I would be um, you know, like, like I would want to drive or I would be upset that she was taking all the time to drive. And not at all. I love being a passenger and showing her all the roads that I loved. One of the best things we did is we went into Aspen the back way. Now that road is usually closed. Um, it's very hard to find a spot where that road is open. Actually, it's usually it's only open for like two or three months out of the year, typically. Um, and it's a lot of traffic. So but they have had an exceptionally warm summer and long summer. And so it was open. And so that was incredible. That highway was so much fun. Um, it narrows down to like a lane and a half wide in some places. But we ran into a brand new Z06 up there, brand, brand new Z06 and a, a brand new C8. Like they were buddies and they had just got the cars, both had temp tags on them. Um, we passed them. They were very, very slow. And they were the most typical Corvette owners you've ever <laughs> seen in your life, uh, to say the least. If it was warmer, they would have had jorts on. And I know I probably don't even need to ask this, but how was Moab? I know you went. You had to have. You you, you can't not be pulled into Moab on your on when you're yeah, in that area. No, we did, we did go to Moab. It's it's <laughs> it's the must do stop, and Moab is beautiful. And the back way into Moab again uh, is worth it. So we did coming from out of Colorado Springs and Manitou Springs to Pikes Peak, all the way to Moab is just an epic drive. The speed limits on the highways are 80 miles an hour. The scenery is stunning the entire way. Even in the open, like straight desert spots, it's 80 miles an hour. So everybody's doing like 100 minimum. Everybody. Like if you're doing 90, you're barely moving on that highway. Even the big trucks are doing 85 because there's nothing out there. You can see as far as you can see until the horizon disappears. So it's a driving nirvana. And then the back way in through the canyon, that's where I got a couple of good pictures. So worth it. Um, pretty epic drive in a pretty short time, even though we basically had to cannonball home. But man, Moab is great. Uh, the fact that there, it's a lot of places they'd shut down, which is really maddening. Um, like for the season, no, or just permanently? permanently. Some of those off-road spots, all the, the new closed signs and stuff like that. And oh, we were talking about you're talking. About, you're kind of making reference to what we were talking about with yeah. Last week. Oh, there's a lot of misconceptions that it's okay. like some recent decision, but this started like 20 years ago. So it wasn't like people. A lot of people love to okay. blame the side by sides because they are pretty awful out there. Um, Sorry, side by side owners, you kind of you kind of earned this, and I've, we've said it before. We love side by sides. I would love to have one even, but they're pretty terrible about how they treat the environment. I think they're almost too easy to drive off road, and so they tend to be pretty rude and go off the trail a lot. But uh, yeah, the yeah. hikers and you know the the never ending argument of the hikers and the the off roaders and like it's a bunch of rocks. People get over it. There's, go hike in the trees. Who wants to hike in that desert? Come on. <laughs> Beautiful out there in Arches and Canyonlands, but uh, the off-roaders go around those parks. They don't go through those parks. So anyway. Sure. Um, but yeah, Moab, Moab, beautiful. I mean, doing it in R8 too. So I want to, I talked to Sean about coming on the show to actually talk about this because it's one of those, I want her to speak to it. So this was her first supercar experience. And you and I have been in, you know, the 570s and cars that really draw a lot of attention. But this thing's like through the flyover states and things like that, especially. This thing's like flying a spaceship through town, literally. People have never, there's, there's, yeah. we go through those towns and we take it for granted over here. People in California, our California listeners really take it for granted. 
people don't see those cars. The nicest car. I mean, we saw 911s and stuff, but but that was like Aspen. And you go through, which by the way, Aspen is one of the most beautiful towns in the world, in period. It's like the most picturesque. Ameri- the yeah, price. it's like one of those <laughs> yeah. picturesque American towns you'll ever drive through. It is stunning. But I mean, that was like the all the driving we did, that was about the first time we saw a car that was worth noting on paper was that Z06. Up until then, the nicest car you're going to see is a newer truck. Well, I mean, you and I ran into that. I mean, we've run into it many times, but when the first time we ran into it was in Bend, remember? Yeah. When we were washing the cars and people were coming. So, um, I mean, I get it, but I mean, how did she so, like it? Did she like the attention? Did, did she get used to the, what is it so, we call the supercar drift when somebody's yeah, next she to you? Yeah, was, she was aware of that. She knew that was going to happen, and that happened several yeah. times. I don't know how many times people rolled up to us with yeah. video ca- phones out while they're driving, like veering into us, and she was aware of that, and she's very, a very conscious driver, so she wasn't lazy, um, and we actually only had two minor close calls, but just people not looking, um, normal stuff that happens every day in Redmond. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) um, so that wasn't bad, but it is a very different experience as a woman, um, to say the least. And it was frustrating to me even because I would tell people it's her car and they wouldn't believe me. And we were in (laughs) shocking. We were in Utah. Um, and we were at a Costco getting gas (laughs) And this guy comes up and the, the, he's actually, he was working at Costco. He's one of the attendants at the gas station there. And he started just talking to me about the car because I was pumping gas. And, and I said, no, it's, it's her car. It's like, you know, I'm going to be doing some odds and stuff to it. But, it's, you know, it's, it's all her car. This is what she wanted and what she bought. And he basically refused to believe that. The look on his face, like it didn't comprehend that she was capable of buying the car. And then he looked at me and said, oh, well, happy wife, happy life. And oh. yeah, and I was, and I looked at him and I said, I said, no, this is her. Like, I didn't do anything to make her happy here. This is what she wanted. So I helped facilitate the sale. Um, I met her five minutes down the road. She's just giving me a ride. Right. And I was like, <laughs> and, and it was, it was kind of funny. I mean, it's, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's an hour purchase kind of thing. She's, she's the one paying for it, but I'm doing a lot of the work and stuff like that. Like you said, we're the pit crew. Um, the car will be at a lot of shows. Like she really wants to get out and do that kind of stuff. Now that she has it, she's had a lot of fun driving it already. And she's super excited to drive it more, but it's a, it is a weird take because we we had a long conversation about it and I want, I kind of want her and Megan to talk about it on the show together. I think that would be a really good topic for them to really discuss on. Cause I don't, I don't feel right talking about it without her, just from my point of view. You don't think we should sit here and tell them right, how yeah. they should feel about it? Yeah, it's one of those not about us without <laughs> us kind of things. And I don't I don't feel comfortable. Sure. But just from my observation of how people That's interacted fair. with her, it was it was pretty messed up. I I was like and it was so obvious all the time. Um they were yeah. you know, you got the you know, oh you're letting her drive it comment. <laughs> I laughed and I was like, You mean she's barely letting me drive it? <laughs> and we actually, you and I actually talked yeah. about this before you, we left. You left about how long it would take, and I, I mean, from when she wrote me, it didn't take long. Well, yeah, so. no. It, luckily, we yeah. we had talked about it ahead of time, so it didn't make her that upset in the sense that she knew people were going to react in a in a way. But we also had a good discussion about how how many how many women do you know go out and buy supercars even when they have the means? They're bought for them. That's that's an unfair question to ask you and I because we have seeked out those people, yeah, yeah. so we know a, a good amount of people that have done. We it, do. You're correct. But I, yes. I was like, man, I can probably name, we know a good amount of people and I can probably name all of them on one or two hands. So even when they have the means, it's just not usually what they spend their money on. And so 
there's that uh, that weird divide of how much because it's because something is out of the ordinary you're going to pay more attention to it that doesn't mean somebody is necessarily sexist they're just surprised by it and they and rightfully so i get that yeah. um i i'm surprised when i meet a woman who has bought uh, a supercar or even a sports car for that matter because even that is still uncommon and if we do there's a lot of stereotypes that roll with that that are either unfortunately true and we can't talk about or they're just you know it is what it is but uh, yeah. it, but it was a really interesting experience witnessing it and people being shocked like people that would slow down and see her driving because it doesn't have tinted windows yet <laughs> and they would they would just stare in odd confusion <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but trying to convince anybody that it wasn't my car was was not going to happen it was so weird i've never experienced anything like it I really wanted to send you with a sign that you could hold up that says, I've been kidnapped, but I'm going to go with yeah. it. <laughs> or something. I was going to tell everybody she's my sugar mama. Yeah. Ah, that's fine. That's fine. I do. No. <laughs> and she's not, for the record. She wouldn't tolerate that for me. No, she's not. Uh, yeah. But uh, I, I'm so happy with her. But that's yeah. awesome. Um, I look forward to hopefully having her on the show and, and her and Megan kind of talking about yeah. that. And so, so we are, we've got a lot of stuff scheduled for it already. So the S-Tech is already getting put on. Um, that's already scheduled to get put on. Tinted windows. Um, what else? I, you having the paint fix first? Yeah, they're going to do the touch-ups for it as well. Um, it's really nice. tiny. So it's like, you know, a couple of little touch-up no, paint. And yes, you'll never see it. You and I know. Once you see oh, it yeah. as a car yeah, you'll, owner, you'll see it forever. Latently yeah. there. Well, they'll make yeah, it almost invisible forever, so. to the point where good enough, the car's been driven. Who cares? I'm sure. Um, yeah. The, let's see. The s going on. That's the first thing. Like, if you're going to make, if you're going to build the perfect beast of a supercar, you start with paint protection. I'm just telling you. Like, people are, people often say it adds character, it adds charm not to do it, you know, to have the rock strips on the car. Why? You can have the nice, perfect paint and all the shine and not all the pepper rock chips all over it. Like, there's no downside to it at all, especially when you use something like S-Tech where it actually looks, you can't tell it's overlapping the car. It doesn't look like an orange peely anymore. It's actually really nice. I, I've, I've changed my speech. When people come to me and they start to talk to me about what cars they should get and they're talking about their budget, I, I, I even if it's a commuter car, I, I, I add that in. I go, you need to paint protection. I said, it will help you for resale. You know, I'm a little less pushy on the lease cars and things like right. that, but it's still, you know, it's nice to do. Um, and I will say this, I, you know, I didn't do it on the Subaru. I wouldn't have done it probably, but again, every time I walk out there, I see every little rock chip that yeah. I've gotten. So yeah. And it's like you said, yeah. and it's a lease, but um, with the, yeah, you start there. And then I even looked at putting temporary mud guards on it. Um, now temporary don't stone me people i'm not going to put mud guards on an r8 but i was like eh, are they easy to yeah, put on boom. while i go you know across the country it really would have made a difference um it didn't get any rock chips on the side and i had the um, the track tape there no big deal um i did have them on the c7 nobody even noticed them they were so subtle on the c7 people didn't even notice them and they made a huge difference keeping that car clean i would do them again in a heartbeat even at like i think they were 350 bucks totally overpriced for four pieces of plastic literally plastic not carbon plastic but yeah. worth it um but then Let's see, we, I already ordered uh, larger paddles for it. Those already came in. So I have uh, the, the true racing paddles. Um, they're magnetic feedback paddles. So the, the biggest thing I hate about the R8 and the interior is not the minimalist design. I love that part. But the, the paddles are just the standard ones they use on like every Audi out there. They, they're technically the same ones. They only fit the TTRS and this. But they still look like the same paddle as their you know A4. It's the same stupid paddle. 
it works just fine, but it, yeah. it, it looks crappy in that interior. So I got some full carbon actual race paddles with magnetic resistance. So when you click it, it makes a click, click. It's a very direct engagement uh, paddle. Little yeah. feedback. And okay. They actually weren't that yeah. crazy. Um, doing that. Tardiac good tires. Um, I'll probably add some scrape armor to the front just in case it's not low. So it's, it didn't have any problems getting, you know, over anything we threw at it. You just gotta be careful with your approach and departure angles like any other sports car. So probably do some scrape armor, um, tint to keep the UV down and keep that interior looking clean. I mean, keeping that from fading. That's a big deal of cars with giant windows like that. Um, so t- that's a, Actually, that's probably a good tip right there. Is if, even if you don't like tint or you don't want it, you can get really, really light tint that blocks ninety nine point nine percent of UV rays. And if you have a dark interior, it will save it. It won't look like trash after a couple of years yeah. in the sun. So, California listeners, or if you're in a place where they're really picky about tint, a lot of states are like Nazis about tint. They will come up and put you know the little meter on there and start ripping it off for you right there. So if you can't get away with it in your state, get the really, really light tint just so it saves your interior and keeps it cool. So I, I, when we get her on the show, the one thing I want to talk to her about, and I kind of know this and because I had this shock factor of what it was like to parallel park that car the first time. <laughs> Cause I know, yes, I, yeah, you're laughing because we both know, but oh, um, yeah. it, uh, <laughs> I think that's, I think that would be, cause I, I had that experience when we had the McLarens, it was like, I'm, I'm, I always joke the fact that the only thing I didn't pass on my driver's test is I, I, my parallel park, I was a little away from the curb and they dug, they dinged me. But when I first parked that McLaren and I got out of the car, I was like six yep. feet from the curb because I was so worried yes. about, you know, like with the Subaru and the, and the truck, you know, everything. I just run it yep, up on the curb. Exactly. And I'm good. The Raptor so the I, I, I want to get her perspective on that. So, yeah. yeah. People, people don't know. Nice. If you've ever, you know, the first time you park a supercar, if you're not a foot from the curb, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Looking forward to that. But, Okay. Well, it sounds like it was an amazing experience and that you guys had a wonderful time. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait to talk more about it with her. And um, Oh, uh, it did lead us to a decision that we have already we've already made, and it might happen as early as Sunday if we're quick about it. We actually, um, we're going to grab a trailer. We got a 20-foot enclosed oh. um, race trailer. And big reason being is we want to spend some time out of state in Arizona. And we... Not everything is the perfect road trip. I'm not going to, every time I go somewhere, I don't, we don't necessarily want to drive the car, you know, a thousand miles to get to where we want to go. Um, if we're going to Moab or something, there's a lot of great fun ways to get to Moab, but we often, I mean, one, it doesn't have a lot of room and two, we, and, and we have the dog. So we figured, let's just get a, let's just get a enclosed trailer, put it back there. And then we can carry our stuff in the truck, get the car there and then go rip up the roads out of, outside of Moab into Colorado like that without putting an extra 2000 miles in the car. How are you going to get two cars in a 20 foot trailer? Well, just one. <laughs> yeah. 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 Come on, Dan. If, <laughs> There's going to come a day. If we use it a lot, I'll move to a stacker or something, <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm, we, no. but that leads us, you know, we'll have a roadshow trailer. It gives me a double excuse. So we're going to get, I got a trailer, the one I picked out has dual opening doors in the front to, to strap down the wheels. It's like a true a true car hauler trailer and double doors yeah. in the front, big fold down in the back. Um, you know, it's an eight and a half wide, so it, the car fits between the wheel wells just fine with room to spare. But then we can use it for events and things like that, too. So I'm looking forward to that, moving the bikes around. So it, was, it wasn't... It was How many monkeys can you fit in a 20-foot right? trailer? So <laughs> I didn't go, in, didn't go insane Absolutely. and get like a full aluminum featherlight trailer. I would love to, but we weren't ready to knock out 35 grand for a trailer right now. It's for the few times we use yeah. it. So um, Nice. Well, I'm, congratulations to you both. I think that's awesome, you know, that, you know, 
it's going to be a wonderful car, and I, I like that idea. I think it's. I was wondering if she would get to that conclusion after, because there is some of those times when you're just monotony driving in a straight line, which is fun if you can do it with a little bit of speed. But I think I like the idea of keeping the miles down, and you can, you know, you know, it's protected, and yeah, and there's. Know. I expect to see one of those strap downs, though. That infamous picture of the motorcycle yes. trailer that turned over, and the bikes are still strapped down to the ground; they haven't moved. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah we will. Uh, yeah. We will definitely invest in getting it. it I mean, it's, it's car haulers has got all the tie down points already for a car, which is great. But um, yeah, it'll be it'll be. We'll see how much we end up using it. I'm as we move around states a lot. We've been one of the things we notice is we love being in the sun. As soon as we got home, we were like, "Well, this sucks." And so we've been looking more and more at spending more time in Arizona and Utah just to get in the sun more during the winter here. So that's the idea there. Excuse me. Nice. Um, Excellent. Yeah. So that's that. Um, we'll, we'll give an update on that again soon um, after I can get uh, Sean and Megan in the same room. <laughs> but that, that yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. I just mean timing, just not because they don't like each other. <laughs> the goal is to get Shauna on the show. Yeah. So, and have yeah. her and Megan talk about it. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I want, I want to kind of change subjects on you here, and I want to talk about some of the history. Um, I want to talk about motocross a little bit, and it's not something we talk about yeah. a lot. Um, and if you follow motocross a lot, you know, I mean, motocross, enduro, uh, trials, all that stuff, that your main competitors are Honda, Kawasaki, um, Yamaha, KTM, a little bit of gas gas. Well, um, as of the last two months, two new big, big uh, names are entering the motocross field. One being uh, Triumph uh, with a ground-up build, uh, and they've t- brought Mickey Carmichael on board. They, apparently, he's been on board for a long time, and they've built everything ground up. And then, as of this week, uh, Ducati is entering the uh, the motocross, uh, which uh, they haven't given us a lot of a lot of uh, images or anything like that. We'll post what we have. Uh, sounds to me like a two fifty, a four stroke two fifty or four fifty. But what do you kind of think about this, Dan? I mean, um, both of those bikes. I mean, Triumph has some good off road bikes. Has has some good. Um, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the adventure bikes. Yep. Uh, Ducati does do a couple of adventure bikes, but this is a new field for them. Um, and we were, as we were joking, talking about this, is the Ducati going to come with a bunch of extra parts and is it going to cost $20,000? Right. It's, it's, so. It makes me wonder how they're going to be competitive in that market because, well, one, it's not, it's not cheap to build a motocross bike and not a competitive one anyway. Um, and Ducati, notoriously expensive, notoriously difficult to repair. That doesn't mean, I mean, they could do a lot of things right here. The Ducati does make a great engine. They make a great street bike. Um, they're not the old Ducati. People love to talk about Ducati from 20 years ago where you kind of breathed on it wrong and it stopped running or didn't run correctly. And that's a fair <laughs> thing to state about yes. older Ducatis. But the new ones have been pretty good as far as everything I know. Just expensive to maintain and expensive to own. And Triumph, um, well, it's still a British bike. <laughs> and Triumphs are great but and, and have proven to be much more reliable than people expected. They make a good adventure bike and a competitive one at that. But I wonder... It's tough to break into the motocross market. A lot of people have tried over the years. Uh, Husaberg, Aprilia, to name a few, who have really kind of given it their own twist and never really worked out. It takes a ton of money to run a, a competitive motocross team. I mean, Ducati obviously has the funds to do it, and then some. Triumph is the one I actually worry about. And being, being British they tend to have a harder learning curve. I don't know what it is about British companies in general, as far as cars and motorcycles, like they make beautiful stuff, but their learning curves tend to be a little steep and 
things tend to break in glorious fashion. So with Carmichael on board, though, they've got, I mean, if you want an expert, it doesn't get much more of an expert than Ricky Carmichael and Bubba Stewart. If you can get one of them on your team or, you know, McGrath, one of the old motocrossers who know every in and out of an engine, not, I mean, not just riding, that's going to take you a long way. So if anybody's got good feedback, it's going to be Carmichael. Um, well, I was, I was in my garage and my, I was talking to my neighbor about it a little bit and I, was, I posed this to him cause he's kind of a motorcycle mm-hmm. guy too. And he said, well, you know, um, you know, Gas Gas and Husqvarna broke into motocross. And I said, they did, but technically that's KTM. Yeah, so exactly. they, I mean, they had, they didn't, they didn't have to start from zero. And I mean, we know tr- the Triumph is starting from zero. And from what it looks like on the Ducati, they're starting from zero, unless they're going to pull one of the motors in from something else, but I doubt it. Um, but uh, like you said, there's a lot of startup costs there. Um, do I think there are people that will be stupid enough to, well, not stupid enough, but willing to go out and buy a first generation Triumph? Yes. I will not be one of them. I will <laughs> gladly buy the second generation. Yeah. As we know, I'm, I have a, a, a large passion for them, but um, uh, I will be curiously watching and waiting and seeing how, I mean, cause it's getting, I mean, there's a few people that have ridden it and it's apparently it's a pretty good bike, but I'm really interested to see the Ducati. I'm, and I'm glad to see some other options coming into the yeah, market. Competition's always good. Not that we don't have enough. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I, Ducati's actually, it's funny. I have more faith, I think in triumph at this point, just cause I know their R and D with Carmichael that, that says a lot. Like I've met Ricky yeah. several times over the years growing up and you know, he, he talks the talk and walks the walk more than most people. Like the guy is not just a rider. He knows engines. He knows suspension. The guy, <laughs> he's old school. He grew up fixing his own bike. Um, and yeah. he's done a lot of R and D uh, over the years. Um, Ducati though, they tend to race like Ferrari where if they're not winning and making money, I mean, and not, and not they podium, they, they, they're out. Yeah. Like <laughs> Ducati is one of those teams yeah. where if they're not, if they're not really showing up, they're not going to stay. So I'm really curious how, and that's kind of an Italian thing in racing. (laughs) So, well, I would assume that both of these bikes came from COVID. They were both they were both watching their other big bikes sell like huge, and everybody went to the drawing board and said, "We got to do this." Triumph hit the market first. Um, If you go to Triumph, by the way, TriumphMotorcycles.com. There's two episodes out. One where Ricky's talking about the frame, and the uh, the second episode is about the engine that they've created. So, um, which if you want to kind of do your research on this, but I think that I, I'm with you too. I think Triumph will be better at this than Ducati initially. And if Ducati, because I don't know, I don't see somebody winning on a Ducati. You're right. I just mentally, I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Like I said, they know racing, but but motocross and yeah, and, and motocross and supercross and road racing are two very different sports. <laughs> as much as we want to think they would be run the same, they're not. They're very different sports. It's like Formula One and you know and WRC. <laughs> Yeah, they're both cars. They do very different things. <laughs> so it'll it'll be cool to see though. I like yeah. uh, man. If anybody will put on a good show, it'll be Ducati, that's for sure. <laughs> so they'll have they'll have a they'll have a Absolutely. pretty bike. I'll give them that. I know it'll be good looking. <laughs> so <clears throat> like, but I think you make a good point. It's cost effectiveness. I mean, one of the things that you have to be e- easy to replace on motorcycles is the plastics and the mirrors and, and handlebars and things like that. And obviously you can go aftermarket, but Ducati's going to use high-end stuff, and it's going to be expensive. Carbon and titanium don't have a chain. Yeah, you don't have a chain guard, and it goes into the case. That's going to be expensive. So it's expensive on anybody, but it's going to be really expensive there. Yeah, and the Japanese brands and KTM have been doing this for so long; they're really just fine-tuning things that are close to perfection. 
Um, yeah. Even a, so, it's funny because people outside of the the, motor, the car world don't. I've realized don't look at Honda motorcycles like they do. They don't understand that Honda motorcycles are their motocross bikes are straight up race bikes, just like any other brand. They're yeah. hardcore race bikes. They have some of the best suspension in the world. They've had the best frame for God knows how long and an incredibly reliable engine. They've tried some weird things with exhaust and things like that didn't work out, but you'll never say Honda's a, making a bad motorcycle. They haven't pretty much ever. And their race bikes are ready to race. They're quick service clutches, quick service, you know, cams, everything's, everything's ready to pull apart and go. Same with Yamaha, Kawasaki and Suzuki and KTM, like they're actual race bikes. So that stuff's expensive. <laughs> so we'll see how far Ducati takes it. Uh, Triumph too, though. I mean, you, you're moving parts from Italy in in England. If they're making yeah. them there, that's not going to be cheap. <laughs> so no, but hey, I mean, KTM can do it and they're not cheap to build either. I will say this. I mean, I, I, and you know this, I researched a long time before I picked up my Honda and I'm extremely happy with it. Yeah. Extremely happy with it. So, I mean, I get it. Um, I've never been a huge fan of their, of their cars. Yeah. I think they're doing a better job. Um, but, um, n- I mean, that's just not for me, but I mean, the bikes are incredible. Yeah. So, if you want to yeah. see some cool, if you're, if you're just a car person, not into motorcycles at all, uh, I would invite you just to go look at a, a motorcycle shop or anything if this isn't your thing, I would still invite you to go out and look at them because the technology is really cool. And seeing yeah. how everything works, the, to- the tolerances they run at, the materials they use, it's really impressive that you can go spend, you know, 12 grand off the showroom floor and get something so purpose built. And I mean, if, if you literally can take a Sierra 450R off the showroom floor and go race it right out of the box. You don't need to do anything. I can guarantee you at an entry at a, at a novice level, no matter how much money people have thrown at their bikes, if you are a good rider, I mean, I, it, it'll take a, a bone stock Honda will be just straight competitive. Same with a bone stock KTM, Suzuki or Kawasaki. So that says a lot. I mean, you're not going to go race at a pro AMA level because those guys are on a different level. But if you want to go start racing, all you got to do is go buy the bike and gear. You don't actually have to go spend another five grand in parts. You'll want to because it's fun but you don't need to. <laughs> My biggest complaint, and I've said this to you with with the CRF450s, is the gauge cluster. Yeah. And the fact that the 300s have tack and gear and fuel and everything, and the 450s get like this little like Jordy from Star Trek vi- vision thing that barely tells you your speed. Yep. So other than that, love You the don't bike. know why? <laughs> race why? bike. Race yeah, bike. The, yeah. The, the CR450L okay, is a race that. bike. It's an enduro race bike. I know. <laughs> With a plate. At the end of the day, okay, and I will say this, and I and I, I think the one thing that could be on there, God forbid, even on a race bike, is a gas gauge. <laughs> what, that's, you don't like just that's the all light? I could, you know, I just, my thing is, I, I can figure out what gear I'm in. I can get away with it. Yeah. So, but the, uh, yeah, the gas gauge is my thing. So, oh, yeah. Theo just took a bath. He's very cute. Anyway. Oh, I see. Wet, Wet puppy. puppy. Yes. Well, nice. Anyway, um, nice. I was going to actually talk to you about one more thing. Have you been following the news of Toyota? Okay. Which part? Like, uh, uh, we, t- we touched not. up on it a no. little bit, but they've really doubled down on their uh, EV was a bad idea, and we don't believe in it. Oh, yes. Yeah. I did hear Very that. Yes, 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 yes. Basically yes. said it. Uh, said, yes. we told you so. Yeah. Um, and, Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm, I would like to raise our hands here and toot our own horn. We also told you so. <laughs> we are yeah. not anti-EV, and we never have been. But the rate they wanted to introduce them was completely just 
no way it was unobtainable to to meet the the goals set forth for the companies and actually deliver and have a market that could keep up with it tesla sales in the tank uh ford electric vehicle sales are in the tank i mean all the electric vehicle sales are pretty much crap um and that's not a good thing for a lot of manufacturers who decided to shift their whole model to it because the government said they had to and now they quickly realized, you know, we don't have enough power to actually do this. And people are like, yeah. I kind of want to drive my car and not spend an hour filling it up. I don't just drive to the office. I kind of like to drive around. This isn't going to work for me. And oh, that every distance between every city in the coast, coast to coast, outside of the coast, is a big whole lot of nothing. And half the chargers don't work. And- <laughs> Just so we're clear, this is on the fully electric yes. side of things. Toyota is still going to do their hybrids. I mean, obviously they're shoving it into the new Tacoma. It's coming into the new uh, Land Cruiser. Things like they're going. They are going to stick with hybrid technology, which again, I'm going to say it now. I think is going to not going to be good for them. I think they'll end up backing out of that too, especially for the Forerunner and stuff like that. But um, or not the Forerunner, the Tacoma. The Forerunner will have it too, um, of course. But, yeah, uh, I yeah. know, but I think that's going to be. I am predicting that that's going to cause more trouble for people when they start taking them and modifying them and taking them off road and doing things with them. People that drive them in the city will be fine. Yep. But yeah, um, the minute you try and everybody else. What, but, yeah. what, do they, what do they say? Thirty fives, the new thirty threes, thirty sevens of the new thirty fives, and forties of the new thirty sevens. It's pretty much like you, it's yep. pretty easy to get a, a truck now with thirty sevens on it. It's becoming oddly normal. The Raptor, the the upgraded package of the Raptor isn't isn't just like a technology upgrade. You get thirty sevens. Jeeps, you. Remember when when twenties were yeah, big? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I said it last week. Yeah, like, and so, yeah, so now we can go down this rabbit hole forever. But that adding that much rotating mass and weight is a lot. That's a lot of weight to rotate, and you add that to the driveline of a hybrid system. And I don't know if they've. I don't know how that's going to affect the longevity. I, it's not the same as a car. It's not the hubs at the wheels. It's, it's in the transfer case, so it's better. But that's a lot of stress on that transfer case, and it's not going to be easy to upgrade. So. You can only do so much with gearing and, you know, final drive ratios. I'm curious if it's going to burn up that hybrid engine. And I would love to be wrong because that torque would be great for something like that. In theory, that sounds great. But I, I am worried that adding that much. Especially the crawling. Yeah. So if you can get yeah. it to work really well, if Toyota has done their homework and it can get this to work really well with really large tires, they can have the best crawler out there. But it could also yeah. fail gloriously in the middle of the desert, and that would be really bad, not just for the truck and the owner, but for the trail. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, this is uh, this is my thing. I think that most trail side fixes can be done by a good mechanic on the side of the road, but uh, on the side of a dirt yeah. road. But now, when you're starting to deal with electric and electric cables and electric end motors and things like that. That's going to cause a different. I don't know how much of it's going to be able to be fixed. Yeah, I wonder so. if it can be bypassed. We'll see. Uh, there's a lot of speculation. I'd, lo- I'd love to yeah. know. I need to get somebody Point. who's an expert um, on these. I don't think are they, I don't think they exist yet because the trucks aren't really out there yet. But I'd love to find somebody who knows. Like, yeah. if that unit fails, can you still drive without it? Uh, just really slowly, because that would be, you know, partially acceptable. It would be probably insanely expensive to fix. But you know, is there? Um, what, yeah. what do they call those? Not um, in equipment. Bypass? No, I was okay. thinking of a term um, shear pin. I wonder if there's like some kind of like a shear pin system when you get too much torque on it that it instantly like if there's a cheap part that breaks, so that the big expensive parts don't yeah. break. And a lot of vehicles have that. Yeah, interesting. Oh, I mean, that's one of the oldest tricks in the it's book like a, from farm equipment is you put a shear pin on something so that when it gets stressed or caught, like on a plow shear, it just 
it snaps the, the uh, literally it's like a, a steel bolt and then you just replace the bolt you replace a dollar part instead of a thousand dollar you know <laughs> pto line so who knows anyway interesting well we will see i think there's a lot of technology coming out um we uh i want to say this for our listeners we got a lot of really good episodes coming up yeah. uh in fact we've got a big thing planned in november that we'll i don't know if we've launched it yet we'll be talking about uh with avance portland um and SEMA is coming up and we'll be having a ton of new products that will be hitting the market and dan and i will be watching that obviously as car people on the daily basis and talking about what we see and what we don't see and uh you know I would love to. Um, I told Wade uh, that we'd like to get him back on and talk about some of the things he's seen. So um, hopefully we can. Yeah, I'm going to be adding um, yeah. a bunch of photos and stuff uh, to the page about the the R8 build. I've already talked to the installers about doing the photos while we do the install, so people can see what really goes into a full PPF install, full wrap around the car. Working with Stech on that, um, so we'll give you guys some real clue about. <laughs> what's actually involved and you're using an avance partner correct yeah i'm actually um i actually i'll talk to you about that in a bit before i launch it here because i want to talk to them first oh, okay. i've talked to them at length first but we haven't decided on a kind of a media okay. campaign and how we want to do that yes i am partnering with s tech our partner to do this okay. and a local avance partner yes. so um yeah we're going to get some good behind the scenes photos and stuff um not as simple as you think i think this is a really good opportunity to show people the difference between a basic PPF install and you get what you pay for. Uh, so we're, we're not skipping yes. a lot of corners on this car, obviously, because it's not a kind of car you skip a lot of corners on. No corners. <laughs> yeah. No corners. Yeah, and yes. it's going to have a lot of no mods, quarters. mainly for longevity. <laughs> I'm also doing some kind of um, interesting things. I've reached out to another Avance partner about adding some auxiliary lighting, which uh, on an R8 is not something you think Ooh. of. But for those of us uh, who like to drive at night and enjoy some roads uh, in the middle of nowhere in the desert, it's a uh, I wouldn't say an easy upgrade, but a very worthwhile one. And that's saying a lot for a car that has laser headlights, which is pretty cool. They do work really well. But at the same time, we're doing some interesting yeah. stuff to make this literally building the perfect beast of a road trip supercar. Um, so anyway, stay tuned for that. Um, give us a call, 425-298-7873. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes, by the way. We haven't had any of those in a while. Um, but you can leave it wherever you want. But uh, tell you what, if we get to... Oh, if you leave, if you leave me a voicemail, I'll play it on the show, even if it's bad. So I don't care. <laughs> okay. I think it'll be fair fine. enough. So I think our friend should call it. Okay. Um, anyway. Excellent. Oh yeah. And up, I got one more thing before we go. iTunes did a big major update on their latest app. So if you haven't updated the, you're, if you're one of those people that has like 150 app updates, who I know somebody's listening to this who, and yes, I'm calling you out. Do that because you get new features. And one of them is when you click on the episode, you can read all the episode notes and it upgrades or it updates the episode. Uh, picture that we use instead of because it used to just go to the generic show picture but each episode has an individual picture and i do update those and it does pull that data in now so you can get a little more in the app itself so yeah kind of neat interesting all right good to know all right well as always for this episode of the avance podcast i'm nick i'm dan and don't just get there enjoy the drive <laughs>